on earth to demonstrate that God's glory is global and yet it can be local and when believers get together because he is indwelling his people we are a local expression of a global glory every now and then by God's grace somebody pins something both lyrically and melodically that helps to bring it into perspective for us. So again, even I like the way those components came together with the choir and the voices and the words and the organ. And we believe it though. So that's loving it, loving it, loving it. I just want to say I just give honor to the Lord Jesus Christ for allowing me to be here. Forest Baptist Church, I want to let you know that you all have thoroughly blessed me uh, the days that I've been here. Uh, I've eaten well, I've rested well, I've enjoyed conversation, edification, and I just want to let you know that um, my family, the Branch family, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts, and we count this a privilege, and we thank the Lord Jesus for this because every good and perfect gift comes from above. This is one of those good and perfect gifts, so I just want to let you know that. Why don't we pray and in transition? Because I just want to stay right here. And if I don't pray and do something, we're going to be right here. Spread out all over the place. Father, we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, two. Father. Oh, my Father, we are. Um, we come before you as the people of God. We count it a joy to be called by your name. Father, we thank you for the reality that we once were lost, but now we're found. We once were blind, but now we see. We thank you for the gathering of the saints. We thank you that you are pleased to dwell among men, that you inhabit the praise of your people, that you get glory from such inglorious vessels. And now as we transition to looking at the Bible and what it has to say to us, uh, be with us this, during this time we pray. Bless this church and bless the gospel as it goes forth we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mike, struggling here a little bit. So I want to do something real quick. Um, for things about having a pastor and church leaders like you have is um, they want to expose you to the vast depths of what God has in his arsenal. Um, and some of us, we stay in our lane and we stay on our block. Uh, and that's a, that's a sure way to get left behind. Uh, but God is so good that sometimes he brings stuff not from your block on your block so you can marvel at the fact that God's bigger than your block. Amen? Uh, and so one of, the, one, of the, one of the things that you're witnessing today is that I come from a slice of Christianity that believes what we all believe in terms of the basics, the things that unify us, uh, but I come from an era and a context where sometimes we express it a little differently 
or we look for other means to make it known. Um, so I'm bound and restricted by the same content, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. But I'm free in areas where we're allowed to be diverse. Uh, rap has been one of the tools of earth that God has been pleased to allow me to experience him and express him. So everywhere I go, I try to give people a little, little taste so they can know that all rap is not good. All rap is not good for you. But some rap, if rightly muscled to the ground by the Lord and made to submit, can actually be good and good for you. So I'll just let you know that my rap has been submitted, put in a submission hole. Like Jacob, who was wrestling with God and found out that you can't beat God. <laughs> and, uh, but you can be blessed by him. And uh, so, uh, Lord willing, you'll see that. So I just want to give you a little taste just to warm up and help me get my jitters out. Since some of y'all look like y'all don't play. <laughs> I need no excuse to write a song about him. I got one in all my albums. Love you, Jesus. Crown him, Jesus. All the power is his. This is a call to faith as well as a call to praise. Faith is putting all your weight, all the weight on him. No leaning, being your being, he'll never drop. Trust him is to throw yourself upon him like a belly flop. Can't be willy-nilly, and that really is the dilly gods. Glory globe trots like dudes who make them silly shots. Random. Jesus paid a ransom, but he never ran some because he runs it all, but we ran from him. Oh, don't tell me y'all know this kind of stuff. Okay. Random, Jesus paid a ransom. So I can like, I can move a little bit with it. Random, Jesus paid a ransom. But he never ransomed because he runs it all, but we ran from him. Now at this point, he can do one of two things, erase you or with his grace, lace you like some shoestrings. He could do it the way people like to do things, let you go and say it's your fault. That'll be true, seems logical. How would you argue? Is it one peep you can make? You could only say, I'm a dumb sheep. But there's something that he could but really doesn't have to do. Doesn't make sense, but he could chase after you. He could leave home like going off to college, knowing you lost, pick up the cost of all the mileage, endure the heat or cold on or off-road conditions. Any personal pain, he could chalk it up all the missions. Any resistance, he can make more appeals. Show compassion like those who want to save all the seals. He can even die just to save lives. And if you wander, he can find you. Bring the sinner back, James 5. What would Jesus do? He would do the ladder. I don't know why he's so high. He could use a ladder just to climb down, step into time, bringing the heavenly mind down. How do I know? He did it. It's time now to imitate, demonstrate. We the people in a state of receiving grace, so we serve it just like a dinner plate. I tell you, I've grown more to see there's more love shown nowadays for the iPhone 4 or 5. Then a brother, the blood is covered, especially when he bugs out. But that's when Jesus died, so that's the time to bring your love out. All you got to do is care for it. Therefore, you go anywhere or move anything for it. We'll move a couch for a silver dollar. If you know you're worth more than platinum or gold or silver, holler. Yeah. Will the Father let his people go? Not a chance. 
How do you know? You can tell by the hands, by the side, by the feet, really by the holes. He's holy, but the cross shows he's really about a soul. Don't forget the gospel. That's for believers, too. We might trip. Mm, haven't done this in a while. The gospel is for believers, too. He might strip you, but he grips us like wife beaters do. We might trip like John Mark and like Peter, too. We're righteous because of the Christ, the first Peter, too. He the truth. We the dudes that need him because we'd improve. We can cheat. We can creep. We got deep seated issues. Trust me, I ain't bitter. I'm every bit of better. Torn heart being stitched together like you knit a sweater. Ah. Yeah, I almost messed that one up. Well, I did mess it up, but you're gracious. Let's dive into the text. Why don't you turn in your Bibles to John 17. John chapter 17. John chapter 17. We're going to read a lot of the Bible, but we'll read it as we go. Um, and we're going to focus on verses 6 all the way down to 23. I'm going to, we're not going to mine it for everything. That passage could... We could go for weeks. Okay, bet. So why don't we read it since y'all are standing like, get to the word, brother. <laughs> John chapter 17, starting with verse 6, it reads. Oops, hold on. Technology. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. We'll stop right there. The Lord is already blessed. The reading of his word, his word, and the hearing of his word, we'd be blessed if we'd do it. You may be seated. I'd like to talk today about something that believers 
have heard before, but sometimes struggle understanding how to live it out. Being in it, but not of it. Being in it, but not of it. I have a confession to make. I, I, I got away with something as a kid that not many kids get away with. I got away uh, during my teenage years when I lived with my mother. I got away with doing no chores in, around the house. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got away with doing no chores when I was in the house. And the reason why I got away with doing no chores in the house is because my mother was such a stickler for how it was done, not just the fact that it was done. And she figured, you're not going to do it like I want it done, so I'll do it myself. Oftentimes, when there's no argument about what needs to happen, the argument is how. And if we can't agree on that, something has to give. In the Bible, God not only lets us know what he wants done, he lets us know how he wants it done. And it is here in John 17 that we get insight into the way God wants to do what God wants to do. We get insight into the fact that the Lord Jesus is saying now that I'm about to leave, the mission must still continue. I've started a mission. I'm a part of a mission. I am a mission that now that I'm leaving, I want some people to keep that mission going. And we get insight in John 17 into how God wants it to happen. And it is supposed to inform us about how God wants it to happen so that we as the people who are called to participate can do it the way God likes it done. We can cheer it the way God likes it done. We can advocate it the way God likes it done. And so we see in John, your, your pastor was telling me this week, he said, y'all, I happen to be in John 17. And I said, God, I'm just in a mood to hear you pray. The song says, somebody prayed for me, had me on their mind, took some time and prayed for me, right? I'm glad they prayed. Usually when people say that, it's because they see the results of a prayer that they didn't have insight into hearing. They just know somebody must have prayed for me because look at me. Well, John 17, we actually get a chance to hear the prayer that was prayed for you. We get a chance to look and say, now what exactly did you pray? Because for some reason, look at me. If you're into Jesus Christ, if you get to serve Jesus Christ, if you get to make him known, somebody prayed for you. According to John 17, it was Jesus himself who prayed for you, who had you on his mind, took some time and prayed for you. I'm glad he prayed. How many of y'all are glad that he prayed? So it's in John 17 that we see that Jesus has prayed for believers who he was banking on to do his mission his way. And I want you to notice that God wants to win the world in a certain kind of way. And the first thing we see is that God wants to do it through 
the people of his own possession. The people of his own possession. Verse 6 says, I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. A people for his own possession. We live in a day where we're crazy about celebrities. We love celebrities. We love big shots. We love impressive people. And God says, I'm not like you. It's not who you are. It's whose you are. A lock of hair. A lock of hair sold for $115,000. It wasn't my hair. Let me just let you know that. It was Elvis Presley's hair. Just a lock. It wasn't hair. It was whose hair? There was a dress that sold for $1,267,000. It wasn't my wife's dress. It was Marilyn Monroe. It wasn't a dress. It was whose dress? One painting sold for $106 million. It wasn't my painting. Picasso. It wasn't that it was a painting. It was whose painting? God says, see, for me, it's like, it, now when you look at Picasso's work, you sort of think you could do that too. I don't know if you're familiar with Picasso, but I, I'm like, I, I know I could, I could probably do that. I'm almost sure, but it's something about it being a Picasso. God says, I know that they don't look impressive, the people that I'm praying for, the people who are going to fulfill my mission, but it's not who they are, it's whose they are. A people for his own possession. He says, God, I want to pray for the people that you gave me, my people. Every now and then we do shows at arenas and they'll tack on this bill and on the bill it's their workforce moving speakers and plugging up wires. People are like, we'll do that to cut costs. We'll do that. They say, no, 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 no. We use our people. God says, I, I, I know you want so-and-so and so-and-so to be, they're not mine. Jesus prayed that the people that the Father gave him would carry his mission. Because it's not just about what, it's the how. And these people, he says, I I want my people. I want people who have a knowledge of me. So he says, yo, these these people got to, these is, like, I do, I use my people, people for my own possession. He says, you gave them to me and I manifested, I showed them, I I gave them a behind the scenes look at who you are. They have knowledge of God. The world says, I think, well, my my God wouldn't and I don't think that God would. He says, I don't need people on my mission thinking, guessing about me. I need people who know that I've manifested that. I let them know this is who I am. This is how I get down. He says, I manifested your name. In the Bible, a name was who you really are. It wasn't just your name. It was who you are, your reputation, your character, how you like to do things. God says, I'm... I mean, I manifested that to the people you gave me. No wonder God wants to use his own. 
You wonder why God will use a Gideon when he was the least. You wonder why God will use a David when he wasn't even invited to the dinner to when they were looking for kings. He was like, bring your sons. He was like, go get all the sons that he could possibly be talking about. David's not one of them. God says, I don't want any of these guys. Samuel said, is there anybody else? Even Samuel said when he saw the tall one, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. Firstborn came in here like, how you doing? God says, no. Even the Bible says that even the Lord Jesus when he came. So we're talking about God's way. This is what God does. Even the Lord Jesus when he came, God in the flesh when he came on earth, the Bible says he came in such a way that he looked like a tender shoot out of dry ground. Meaning he didn't look like an oak tree coming up and everybody just said, oh, snap, God is here. Look at those muscles. When he came, it says he looked like a tender shoot out of dry ground. It said he had no majesty that we should look upon him. He didn't come down killing it. He came down regular. The Lord Jesus says, I know you want certain kinds of people to do my work. If only so-and-so got saved, man, because then we could really reach people. I just wish Michael, I just wish, I wish, I wish all these people. God says, I just want them to be mine. And I will use my people. I will manifest myself and they will have a knowledge of God. And I'll use them just because they're mine. Also, these people are marked by an embrace of his word, an embrace of his word. He says here, he says, look, I gave them and they have kept your word. They embrace your word. When the Bible comes up, they don't go, oh, brother, here goes the Bible again. He says, my people don't suck their teeth when it's time to look at the Bible. What does the Bible say? Oh, see, there he go. He always got to talk about the Bible. There he go. Every time somebody bring up something, he got to pull the Bible out. He says, I, I, I was with these guys. And when I said, thus saith, they kept the word. God uses a people for his possession, a people who have a knowledge of God, a people who have an embrace of his word. And they believed his report. They believed his report. He says they received it and they believed it. Verse eight, for I have given them the words that you gave me and they received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you have sent me. Isaiah 53 just starts off. Who's believed God? Who's believed what they heard? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who around here when Believe that God is right. Among men, people, I, I object, Your Honor. Like, there's nothing to object to. God is right. But there are people who say, not, well, not my God. My God wouldn't do that. He's just, they, I gave it to you, and they believe you sent me. He uses the people for his own possession. First Peter 2 says, we are his people, his possession, his priesthood. God says, you're my priesthood. I don't have a white collar and I'm not really all that, you know, up on. He says, 
I send you out to handle my spiritual affairs, not because of who you are, but because of whose you are. And if you would only sit under the knowledge of God, and if you would only embrace the word of God, and if you would only believe the report of God, you make an excellent missionary for God. 2 Corinthians 5.20, one of my favorite passages, we're his ambassadors. It's as though God were making his appeal through us. So he says, "Ah, how does God want to do it? He wants to do it through a people, his own possession. Not only that, a people of distinction, a people of distinction. 9 to 16, we read it, so I'm just going to paraphrase it, but he basically says in 9, I am praying for them, I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. This, I'm not talking about them. This, I'm not looking to them. This, I'm not using them, makes us upset. Inevitably, we battle because we think God just wants anybody who shows up and says reporting for duty. And God says, no. Psalm 50, God says, but to the wicked, God says, what right have you to take my law on your lips? You cast my instruction behind you. You don't believe my report. You don't embrace my word. But then you try to get in on the action. God says, no. Now, the Bible says, whoever comes to me, I will in no way cast out. So it's not like the world can't come to God in repentance and say, I want to be in. Tell me what must I do to be in. God will say, enter through the narrow gate. The Lord Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary. Heavy laden, burdened, I will give you rest. The rest from worrying about how do I get in? How will God accept me? How will I stand before a holy God with with these rags on and be made right before him and be able to be used and be called his possession? He says, come through the narrow gate. Come through Jesus Christ and you can come. Uh Uh-uh, but I'd I'd rather come another way. God says, see, that's where you and I clash. He wants a people of distinction, not the world. God wants people who are distinct from the world. We often want to use the world to get the world. God says, I want a people who, so I'm praying specifically for people who are not in the category of the world. Verse 10, all are mine, all mine are yours and yours are mine. I'm glorified in them. To be glorified in them means that that these are people who know how to make a big deal about me. To glorify something means to show off its, 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 its brilliance or its weightiness or its significance. So you, you angle the light just right on it, you know, those paintings where the light is shining just right. Or, you know, you're taking a picture, you be like, hold on, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Oh, there it is. All right, take this, yo. Like, you look for that light to, to show off the features. You want. Get my good side. This is my good side. You know, like... That's what he says. He says, I was glorified in them. They did not act like I was just one of the boys. They acted like I was the Lord of all. God says, I go for a people of distinction, a people in whom I get glory and from whom I get glory. And he puts a line. The Bible says that what happens at salvation is God transfers you from one kingdom to another. 
The Bible says, yo, the Lord has delivered us from darkness and transferred us. God makes a distinction. And it puts, it puts us in a funny place today because we would like to believe we're nice. And God has just come, everyone. But there are times when God makes a distinction and we've got to do the same thing. This is what it meant in the Old Testament when a certain tribe could be priests. And then a certain group of those priests could be high priests. And a certain group, like the Bible tells a story about a man who touched the ark, but God had already delineated, you can't touch the ark. And he killed them. Because you're stepping out of your lane. I've already designed a lane. And the Bible says that King David saw it and he was upset. He was upset with God because God would kill somebody who just was trying to keep the ark from falling. God was showing you, I'm a stickler. I don't just like it done. I like it done like I like it done. And so I've designated who? And the Bible says, a people of distinction. I'm praying not for them, for the world, but for them. And in this passage, this this gathering of verses from 9 to 16, he keeps talking about us and them, or mine and the world, as though they're separate. He says, yo, I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, I'm coming to you. He says, I want them to be one. I was with them. I kept them in your name. He says, I speak this in the world so that they will have my joy fulfilled in them. I've given them your word. He says, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. See, this is God. This is what, I, you know, when we get in these debates, you know, I'm often telling my, my friends, God's the one that came up with this idea. Not me, because I would be cool with it, because we don't understand holiness. As uh, uh, Brother Nate was saying today, he was like, yo, crush us under your holiness. Let us understand what it means to be holy. And God says, yo, you just don't understand. But if you really understood what the world was and who the world was, you wouldn't want them there either. Says so you were me if you had my lenses. Back in the days, there was a movie, uh, The Three Musketeers, and one of the things he said, we were taught as musketeers not to think of what we're killing, but think about what we would be allowing to live. And what he was basically saying is, you know, sometimes you let those dudes, you let somebody live, and they'll be the ones to kill you. God says, see, the world has a certain stance toward me. And if I would have allowed them in, there would be problems. So the Bible makes clear that God has a problem with the world, but it's because the world has a problem with God. And I just want to just illustrate that for you real quick, because there's several places in the Bible where this idea of the world is what God has an issue with. Now, that doesn't mean that God didn't make the world, because the Bible says that he made the world. Though the world was made through him, the world did not know him. So God made the world. The Bible says that God loves the world, that God so loved the world that he sent his son, that he didn't send his son in the world, that the world would be condemned, but that the world through him might be saved. That doesn't change any of that. God says, I, I, st I still love you. I still sent the son. I still have come that you may have life. 
I still, that doesn't change that. He says, but I do have a problem with another aspect of the world. And that is, there is a way, there is a mindset, there are affections, there are, there's an agenda that the world has that I have a problem with. And I just want to look at a few of those, and you can write this down and look at it as you go home. Uh, but the Bible is clear. John 7, 7, he would, Jesus was speaking to his family that didn't believe in him. Unbelieving brothers and sisters. He says, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me. He says, because I testify that its works are evil. Jesus says, see, you don't know the world like I know the world. And that's he's saying to us, you don't know it like I know it. I think germs are bad. But scientists and doctors, they know how bad. I'd be like, I mean, man, you know, we, you, know yo, you got some sanitizer? But they're like, you don't understand. If you didn't have an immune system, the things you think are just kind of bad, you'd see are really bad. Well, he says the world. He says, you don't understand the world like God. They can't even hate you. He says, the world sees you, and they're like, what's up, partner? He says, when the world sees me, they hate me because I testify that its deeds are evil. John 7, 7. John 15, 18 and 19, he says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. When the world can detect you're worldly or I'm worldly, all of a sudden we become cool. When the world can detect you're not down with what they're down with, all of a sudden it gets funny. So back in the days, when you want to hang out, yo, I'm a Christian. Oh, 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 word, word. All right, man. Oh, that's good, yo. That's good. Word, word. All right, peace. When the world knows that you're worldly, you're one of us. That's why I like you, yo, because you don't judge. That's why I like you, yo, because, you know, basically, I could be me around you. We think we're being cute, missional. I just want to, like, be around and nobody feels funny because they're around me. Jesus says, well, they hate me. They can't hate you. And what he tells his brothers is because they can tell that you all are just alike. This isn't me, y'all. This is the Bible. John 15, 23. Whoever hates me hates my father also. There are people who think, I don't like Jesus, but I believe in God. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You don't have it like that. You hate me. You hate my father. He says, not only that, if you hate me, you hate my father. And if you hate my father and you hate me, you hate the people who represent us. There's not even a reason for the world to hate Jesus. And they hate him. That's the world. That's why he says, trust me when I tell you, I'm not praying for the world right now. I'm praying for those that have come out of the world. Because I'm going to send those out of the world to be in the world, but the ones in the world can't be of the world. So Jesus says, yo, they, they, they hated me without a cause. 
Jesus said, I healed you. What you going to say about me? Because sometimes we'll say, nah, the world, the world's chill with Jesus. It's just his people be tripping. Nah, man, because we be judging them. We hypocrites. We this, we that. That's all. Jesus said, no, no, no. You can be perfect and the world will hate you. Trust me, Jesus said. Trust me, I know. <laughs> Jesus said, I heal their sick. Don't tell me, because nobody cares how much you know till they know how much you care. Jesus said, okay, I heal their sick. Didn't, didn't pass the plate once. I raised their dead. The Gentiles dead. He says, yo, I, I fed hungry people who I didn't even ask to come. I was just over there chilling in the lush greens. They came over. I started teaching. They stayed late. They got all hungry. I was just like, I should feed them. They heard about it. They came back for another dose. He said, they, they hate me without a cause. And God said, they're going to hate you on your best day, when you're nice, when you fix their food and give them rides. If you rep the Jesus that they hate, he says, they're going to hate you. So I'm not praying for them. I want to win the world with someone who's distinct from the world. Somebody who lives distinctly from the world. We'll get to what that looks like and what it doesn't as well. 15, 19, I chose you out of the world. 1 John 3, 13, don't be surprised, brother, if the world hates you. 1 John 4, 5 to 6, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. Look at 1 John, he says, they're from the world, they speak from the world, so the world listens. So we, you know, we have these debates about Christian hip-hop. We're like, yo, I, the world can recognize when the world is talking to them. Therefore, according to 1 John, the world listens to them. He says, we are from God, John, the apostle. Whoever knows God listens to us. People who enter God, listen to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. The world has a problem with God. But God has a problem with the world. James 4. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is making yourself my enemy? Now again, God so loved the world. How do you bring these two together? See, he's not saying that you got to go around hating people. What he's saying is you have to align yourself with, a, with God's mission and God's mode of operating. And it will inherently put you at odds with people who are not on that mission and who don't like that mode of operating. Be in that of. When I was growing up, one of the things, my father and I used to clash because I used to want fat laces. And my father said, that's the world. Are fat laces the world? I used to want gazelles. That was just glasses. He said, is, you want the world. I wanted a Kango. He was like, that, you want the world. I wanted to break dance. He says, I'll break your bones. <laughs> Literally. You want the world. And so I grew up puzzled. Like, But you see what the Lord Jesus says here? 
And this is why I think we have to work through what does the Bible mean by what it says? Verse 14 of, chapter, of John 17 says, I have given them your world, word and the world has hated them because they are not out of the world. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. So what he basically is saying is don't take them out of the world. Keep them in the world. Insulate them from the influences of the world. But they live in the world. Now, the Lord Jesus had a robe like everybody else had a robe. He didn't get a special kind of robe. The Lord Jesus rocked sandals like everybody rocked sandals. He didn't have special Christian sandals. The Lord Jesus made benches and, you know, he was a carpenter or a mason. So he made items and he made regular items. The Lord Jesus ate what regular people ate. And he probably danced like Jews danced. And he, you know, I mean, he, he kicked the step. When he went to the wedding, he not only sipped the wine, but he made some wine. Like, this is what they do at weddings? Bet. So, Pop, fat laces are not the problem. My gazelles are not the problem. So what's the problem, son? It's my affections. It's my agenda. So later on, I ran away from my father because I was like, I, don't, I can't even live. I can't even be regular. And then I went to VA and I said, I got my gazelles and I got my shell toes and I put fat laces in them and there was still no problem. But then when we started talking about God's design for purity, all of a sudden, I went from God's idea of purity to the world's idea of purity, which is no purity. And then they started talking about wealth, and I started going from God's idea of wealth to the world's idea of wealth. Then they started talking about girls, and they started talking about uh, uh, um, what brings glory or how you, how you get cool points. And I started switching. God says, now I have a problem with you. Not because your laces are fat, but because your heart is chasing after their definitions. He says, be in the world. So, yeah, have a house, drive a car, use a phone, text, tweet, go ahead. He says, but watch what you text. Watch what you tweet. Watch why you have a car. He wants a people of distinction. That does not mean a people who look like they live on a different planet means like a people who are plugged into a different, what he said in the beginning, knowledge of God, embrace of word, belief of the report. He goes on, God not only wants a people of distinction. Let me say one more point about this distinction. Because we're distinct from the world, we have to watch how our love for the world affects Affects our ability to stay true to God's agenda in the world. So one of one of the, uh, one of some of our favorite preachers, uh, one of them is John Piper, uh, and he, he had an excellent admonishment to those of us that are heavy into embracing culture. Because 
we're, you know, we're, we're rapping the culture now and we're acting the culture now and they're checking us out. And if you go on the, the, some of the secular sites, you hear them talking about, hey, I ran into this Christian or I ran into that Christian and yeah, I'm friends with this Christian, I'm friends with that Christian. He says something I thought is very profound. He says, um, there is a, he says, young culture embracing Christians. There is a love for the world, for the present age, for the God-ignoring, God-denying, God-demeaning, Christ-distorting products of nature that is mutually exclusive with real deep love for Jesus. Yesterday, this dude was like, man, I don't like you because I like Lil Wayne. I was like, oh, you're a Christian? Because I understand. I understand. Like, you mean like Lil Wayne more than me. I said, you, but you, I said, you're a Christian? He said, yeah. I said, now, you know that God has a problem with you liking Lil Wayne like that. So, you know, I was just, he says, yo, there is some likes that are problematic if you claim you love Jesus, too. And then he says, there is a love for this world that is irreconcilable with the ministry of exposing the world, witnessing to the world, and rescuing the world, possibly changing. I like that. He says, there are things that are irreconcilable. If you claim I'm going to expose the world. Now again, just to befriend the world is part of it. But you befriend them and yet you can't. The Bible says, but the ministry of the people of God is to expose the world. For the world to see its deeds as being in conflict with God. Which is why Jesus said they hate me because I testify that its deeds are evil. If I don't let them know that I know that their deeds are not in line with God, they don't. We're okay. He says the ministry of exposing the world means that you have to keep some distance. Back in the days, one of the, the, the beefs that people had with the Chicago Bulls and their enemies was that people were so in awe of Jordan that they couldn't play defense on Jordan. So they say, man, you're so busy admiring Jordan that you don't check him. Admire him, but put a hand in his face. Admire him, try to steal the ball. Magic said, well, you know, game six, when they beat the Phoenix Suns, the night before, that night before the game, they were in Jordan's restaurant eating a steak on the house. Jordan paid the bill. He says, they weren't going to win that game. Some of them, yo, that steak was hot. Nice, nice shot, yo. How are you supposed to be playing defense? You told me some nice shot. Y'all still with me? He says, there is a love for the world. Two cautions. Two cautions. Another great scholar, Carson, says there's something called secular. So the world you would call secular. He says, the world in the Bible is what we call secular society today. We don't talk like that, because the world, you know. So today we have another term, secular society. He says, this is what makes secular secular. They want to squeeze the religious, that just means having to do with God, squeeze the religious to the periphery of life. Periphery is the sidelines. More precisely, 
secularization, secularness, is the process that progressively moves God. I'm going to replace religion with God so you won't fear it. You know, no, we don't, that's what we don't need, religion. We talk about the good version of religion, God himself. Removes God from the public arena and reduces it to the private realm. Religion can be important, or God can be important to the individual, but if it, he makes any claim regarding the public arena, he's viewed as a threat or intolerant. It must become, or God must be a belief that becomes private and therefore invisible. I don't mind a God as long as he stays invisible. I don't lie to God as long as he's not right here. Which is why people usually privatize faith. Because a private faith, faith won't mess with anybody. Well, the secular or the world, that's their only beef. A God who's in the way. But here, we, we're too sophisticated for that. We're Christians. We want God. So then this is the other one. And don't worry, I got nine minutes by my timer. I set a timer so I wouldn't overdo it, because I'll overdo it. Here's another one. We don't want God out, and we won't let God put, we won't let the world put God out. That's not what I'm asking. So here's another one he said. He said, well, there's this other thing that people drift toward. The deist minimum. The deist minimum. And I know some of the young people are like, I thought, my mom told me to go to church because there was this, this youthy type preacher that was going to preach. And he told me some secularization and deist minimum. <laughs> but let me just tell you what that is. Secularization is just life with God scooted out the picture. God scooted out the picture. Deist minimum is reducing God of all the things that make him undesirable to the most amount of people. Deist minimum comes up with a way for them to not mind God being in the middle. So basically what it says is, come on, y'all, let's, let's have God. I don't want God. What if we take away and then you just start stripping God of things that are true of God till he becomes acceptable to the most amount of people? It's, it's a good motive. I, I don't want them to run away from God. But you strip God of the things that make him, them run away to the point where God is not God anymore. But everybody's calling him God still. So it feels like, see, we found a way for the secular to now have God. So look what he says. He says there was a guy who did not like Christianity back in the days who wanted a climate where various forms of biblical religion could be. I don't like Christianity, but I do want some of the Bible's finer points to reign. 
So it says, this started deism. And deism said, we believe in one God. We believe in God-sanctioned moral law. We believe that God has moral laws that should be enforced. A loose form of providence. We don't believe that it's luck. We believe God is up there pulling strings. And some kind of reward and punishment system after death, much more emphasis on rewards. Unfortunately, naive Christians, Carson goes on to say, thought this was faithful Christian commitment. But what they didn't realize is this is not a halfway house between secularization and Christianity, but this is actually another form of secularness. I know I'm saying a lot today. If God were going to clean up this place, would he say, don't worry, let me do it because you're not going to do it the way I want it done, like my mom? Or would God say, no, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it with the people, my own. People who've embraced a knowledge of who I am. They know my ways. They don't just know that I'm up there. They know how I get down. I'm going to do it with the people who receive and keep and obey my word. I'm going to do it with the people who believe what I say. I'm going to do it with the people who are distinct from the world, even though they're in the world. They don't look like they dress from another planet. They don't look like they are against the planet. They're for the planet. They render unto Caesar what Caesar's. They pay taxes. They mow their lawns. They're nice neighbors. They bake a pie, bring it over, sip chai. These people go to school and they, they, they're rocking something fresh. They do their do. They attach a piece here, attach a piece there, take a piece off. We, we, we in the world. But they're not of the world. What? They don't hate God. They don't want God out. They don't want God on the sidelines. They don't want the knowledge of God to not permeate. They don't want the agenda of God to not go forward. They cheer for God. They praise God. They worship God. They talk about God. They walk with God. They compel people to come. They make an appeal for God. They're in the world, but they're not of the world. They're a people of distinction. And they even guard their hearts from loving the world to the point where they can't tell the world what the world needs to hear. So they put restraints around themselves. And they say, even though I do know that his beats are the dopest, and I do know that his rhymes are the cleverest, I don't want to love it enough that I can't call him on it, so I don't even mess around with that. There's some of us that don't listen to the radio because I don't want to love it. Some of us that don't look at certain things because I don't want to love it. Some of us that don't hang certain places because I don't want to love it. How are you going to be on the dance floor at the club talking about something? God wants us to be pure. When I was coming back to the Lord, I left. When I, when I was coming back to the Lord, I used to go to these teen clubs. I was only uh, 18, 17 and 18, and I would go to the teen clubs. And, of course, you know, teenagers want to be adults. You know, what they think adults are, 
And uh, so, I mean, of course, it was raunchy as all get out. And so I'm a teen club, and I'm sitting up here, and God was beginning to reignite my passion for him. So when I was there, I would try to witness. So I'd be at the teen club trying to witness. And I'd be like, God is calling me. They said, God is calling you. I said, yeah, yo. I say, you know what I mean? Because I'm saved. And they say, you're not saved? I said, I am saved. I'm just, I mean, I'm not fully living it all the way, but they said, you're not saved. They said, well, A, what you doing here? I was like, I said, you know, it's, I'm not fully there yet, but, I'm, but I am saved because that's by grace, not by work, so that no man can boast. <laughs> they said, well, I'm saved too. And they went on dancing. I said, man, how are they going? If, if there's no distinction between me and them, they'll never believe that God's calling them away from something to himself. I never forget, I was still buying weed at the time. And I bought weed from a dude. I said, yo, God's calling me, man. He said, God's calling you. I said, yeah, man, because I'm saved. He said, you saved? You ain't saved. I was like, yes, I am. Yo, it's about work so that no man can boast. He said, well, why are you buying this? He said, now, Wendy, she's saved. And there was a girl who was distinct from us, worked at the same place, dressed like the rest of us, looked chill. But she was so different that they said, now, Wendy, she's saved. And I felt that. That actually is how God made me begin to contend with my sin. I said, if I live in the world, I can't be so like the world that the world says, you're just like me. What you want? A people of distinction. He goes on to say, I want to do it with a people of consecration. Verse 17 of John 7 says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Consecration is not just separation. Consecration is separation to a specific service. It's not just I don't go to clubs. It's not just I don't watch this. I don't listen to this. I don't do that. There are plenty of people who don't, don't, don't. It's I don't do this because I know I'm called to do this. It's not just not. It's not because I do. There it is. I, I, it's not that I just don't. It's I do. And since I do, I don't. The Bible says we're not just called from, but we're called to. Paul said, Thessalonica, everybody knows you turn from idols to serve God. Not just you turn from idols, I don't do that no more. What do you do? Nothing, I just chill. <laughs> Consecration says, this, I don't do this for this. You, we all have those parents, or you all, many of you, you got those plates that you only bring out a certain time, that silverware you only bring out at a certain time, and the rest of us get mad because it looks like a regular plate and nothing else is clean, so I'm like, yo, but let me just use that one. Nah, that's the Thanksgiving set. You'd be like, the Thanksgiving set, like, I just want to use a plate. Like, it looks like a regular plate. I mean, it's nice and everything, but plates are meant to be eaten. You'd be like, yeah, but these plates are only eaten on Thanksgiving. My wife makes these rolls. She's like, yeah, but I only make these rolls on Christmas because I just want some special rolls. I'm like, forget that. Make those rolls today. 
God's like, yo, but when God consecrates, he takes you out, but not so you can just not have fun, not be in the in crowd, but because he's plugging you in to do his work. And that's the last part. Consecration is always to mission. So verse 18 to 23, he says this, as you sent me into the world, so send I into the world. I send them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself. I'll demonstrate what it's like to not because I do. I demonstrate what it's like to be set apart for God's service. And he says that they may also be sanctified in the truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. He's talking about us. When I'm praying for them, I'm praying for those who are going to carry on the mission, that they would be a people of mission. And then he says, verse 21, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Look, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 2, the glory that you gave me, I've given them. That they may be one, even as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me. So I started this book by talking about how God wants to do it, how God wants to win the world, how God wants to get glory. The so that the world may know. He says that twice, so that the world may know. I'm doing this so that the world would believe. We would think the world's not going to believe. The stuff you're talking about, only using the people of his possession, not, he's not even praying for the others. Not in this context. A people of distinction? You know, often the, dis, the, the ones who are distinct from the world are the corny ones. A people of consecration? A people of mission? He says, yeah, all that is so that the world may know you sent me, so that the world may believe you sent me. God says, I know you wouldn't do it this way. That's why I either have to tell you don't do it at all or do it like I do it. Again, this is 1 Peter 2 says that God snatched up a people, his possession to be his priesthood. It says into they were snatched out of darkness to proclaim his excellencies. Jude says, I want to write about our common faith, which was entrusted to the saints. So again, as we live in this world, I pray that we will begin to wrestle with what it means to be in this world, but to guard ourselves from being of it. It's not going to happen without I manifested your name. You learning God, learning what he's like, learning how he gets down. You receiving his word and obeying it. You believing it. You living that Jesus may be made much of. He says, I've been glorified in them. They shine a light. They treat me like I'm special. The world treats me like I'm either a myth I'm a legendary dude who had his moment in the sun, is now gone, or I'm irrelevant to their lives. They treat me like I'm something. He says, I want to I'm going to use a people who are mine. I'm going to use a people who are distinct. I'm going to use a people who are.
consecrated, who know that they don't just do this, not do this, but because I'm calling them to do this. A people who are on mission, who know as the father sent the son to make him known, so the son sends the church to make him known. And we use everything that we got in order to do it. We use everything that we got in order to do it. I see you here warming up. Maybe I ought to say some things. Let me go. I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. But actually, I don't want to ruin why she was up here, but um, I actually had this, want to close off in this, this verse that I wrote. Um, so it's kind of not organish, but. Um, so I have this song, right, called How God Do It, right? Because we're in a day where that's the issue, that's the rub. Now, how God wants to do it. How does God want to do it? The Bible tells a story about Gideon. Gideon said, I know how you want to do it. You want to do it with 32,000 of us. God says, that's not how I do it. Okay, how about 22,000? That's not how I do it. Well, how you do it? I'm going to do it with 300 of y'all. The wall of Jericho was up. The Bible tells a story about Joshua in the camp. So what should we do? Should we go over or under it? That's not how I do it. How you do it? Just walk around. How's a man or woman going to become, go from child of darkness to a child of light? Should we go to church a lot? That's not how I do it. Should we try to be extra religious? That's not how I do it. Come by grace through faith alone, trusting in Christ and what he did on the cross. That's how you do it? That's how I do it. So as a rapper, I was wondering, now, how are you going to make people think you all that? Should I just kill them with the skills? Skills are nice, but that's not how I do it. Should I just blow their mind with the complexities of what I weave together? Complexity and weaving, that's good. But that's not how I do it. How about swag? I just swag out on Swag out on Nah, swag out. But that's not how I do it. The Bible says the way God does it is to send people who just wave the aroma of who he is in some mysterious way it works. Consider yourselves, brethren. How did you come? Nobody cooled their way into your heart. Some of y'all, it was a grandmother that just kept saying, and you came. You don't even know how you came. The Bible, t- um, there's a story about Charles Spurgeon, a great preacher. Said one day he was just doing a sound check. And he was testing the acoustics of a place. And he just said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. A dude up in the ceiling, just a worker, heard it. And it's documented that he went home and gave his life to the Lord Jesus based on a sound check. Not a full dope concert. Like, because we got we to gotta kill him. Like, like Spurgeon sound check. <clears throat> testing, testing. Behold the Lamb of God who, behold the Lamb of God who, who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah, that's cool, yo. And then he goes home and falls before his face like glory. That ain't how God do it. So let me just give you this real quick and I'm getting out of here. Right? So me, I'm like, 
I got my hop and my hip and gospel I'm spitting. My pops has written his thoughts, I'm not tripping. Drop my writings for blocks that's not getting what I got. I drop cause it can rock Christians who are rocked by the God, not in our mixture. But in God's son, we watch them drop in our picture. It's not popular, so I got the chop Whitman who will stop for a hot second to just listen. Ladies too, ladies, you all cute. You better eye, but nobody is exempt. We all in Adam die, so I just straight pull up. I'm Jesus, what up? I go right in like it's life or death bullet in all the ways some stay because they feel us others walk away or say what you talking about willis i'm talking about heaven's head resident like y'all talk about every head president uh-uh while you got on the top a lot of people tucking them away if i was an ordinary rapper i would be fine i design my rounds around whatever makes me shine quickly make a beeline for a dope me line talk to the felines hoping they say he fine that was, yeah, that was the old me. I rap like that. I now think that's just blowing smoke like a crack pipe. That mic's now for bringing cat's life to that mic. Past light all because of Jesus, my flashlight. I don't want to force them. I just want to floss them. Raps aren't commercial, but I want to endorse them. He was in that grave, man. Call him Captain K, man. We don't have a cow because holy cow death, it just grazed them. Lord of all, you ought to call him that, cause he's lifted up as sure as you ought to call a chicken that. If he clucks, Jesus is the man, can't you grant me that? Fifty bucks, who could take away your sins, not cover that like sippy cups? Uh-uh, why you got on the tuck? I've been on the internet seeing where men are at, shame, nothing's really changed, I'm no longer internet, I no longer club, I no longer thug, I don't puff, I ain't hanging on the corner with the drugs. This is not a boast, I'm just saying I was stuck, I was cuffed, Jesus came and I laid it down like a rug. You say I found religion, I just say I found love. Beggar, telling other beggars, hey, I found grub. This is sort of like them lepers in the book of Second Kings, new people were starving. Then one day they found some bling, they began to party, eat and drink, they party. Then they cried, man, this ain't right, man. We should tell somebody. Oh, this is how God do it, man. This is what God uses, man. Through preaching is foolish. Don't know this, you're clueless. If you do, let's do this. With it, you're not fruitless. But without it, there's no doubt. Just hang it up like Judas. Mm-mm. Why you God on the top? Let's look to the Lord. Wow. The weight. The weight. I pray, Lord, that uh, Forest Baptist heard from on high. A lot of word, a lot of passage, a lot of truth, a lot of things that have to be integrated with other things. So pray they will. Soak it up, maybe get the recording and go back. And Father, if there's anybody in here that's standoffish from you or sort of just afraid to give you their all because they feel like you're going to just kill the party, pray God that you would ignite their souls to see the glory and the beauty of the resurrected Christ. You're not a killjoy. You give joy. You don't come so you could kill the mood. You come that we may have life. Not skimpy life, 
abundant life. Not momentary life, eternal life. Pray you bless your people. And thank you for this moment we've had together. Now burn it and sear it into our hearts and then give us the application. Give us the implications by your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name.